and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the ephemeral Matt. I thought you were going to say the enlightened Matt. Mm. The episode's called Enlightenment. Yeah, didn't didn't really seem apt, did it? No. Given your opinions on Doctor Who. Speaking of which, come on, let's just get it over and done with. Okay, Fifth Doctor, classic episode, yep. Enlightenment, from the 1st till the 9th of March, 1983. Yeah. You hated it, didn't you? I didn't mind this. <laughs> it's an absolute fucking fever nightmare of a show. But it's alright. It's entertaining, isn't it? There's some bits that are absolutely fucking balls mental. I know. Can you see why it's one of my favourites? As someone who just loves loves it when Doctor Who goes There's crazy. so much I need to ask about this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, so first things first. I did check with you that you were okay with watching what is essentially the conclusion of a longer story arc because I, I wish yeah there was some sort of breakdown on YouTube that could have summarised the start a little bit yeah I know you gave me a bit of information I tried to give you the bare minimum because I know you weren't going to read loads what the fuck are the Black Guardian and the White Guardian about? okay right so and I'll give more you importantly <laughs> why has he got a crow on his head <laughs> Halfway through, I was yeah. like, when you read, because obviously it's an old Yeah, at first you think it's like a weird wiggle And at first I was, yeah. I was like, has he got a swan on his head? And then I was like, if he's got a bird on his head, as the other one, and I was like, he's got a fucking raven. Okay, so. Right, what, like, this, this is what I assume is the case, and you yeah. can correct this. Black Guardian, Force of darkness. Yeah. White Guardian, force of all that is good. Well, not necessarily good, all that is light. Yeah. So, and they're basically yeah, playing yeah. some sort of interdimensional through time game against one another. They seem to be trying to get the better of each other. Yeah. The White Guardian basically has the Doctor as the ace of his slave. The Black Guardian's just a cunt. Yeah, who wants to destroy the Doctor, but also seems to, most of this, enjoy in torturing Turlo. Yeah. We did initially enlist to help him. So, okay, so, to give you the very, very basic version. White Guardian has already appeared in uh, the Tom Baker era. Okay. Uh, setting up the last time they attempted a bigger story arc across multiple episode or multiple stories should we say which was the key to time yeah storyline which was but it was a very simple fetch quest it was just like you know like any basic puzzle platformer you've ever played like you must collect the seven shards of it it was one of those things like finding the bits of the key to time but the white guardian wanted that and the doctor wasn't really in a position to say no because he's like this all-powerful essentially a god they don't call them gods as such yeah. but there is a strong implication like the, the white guardian you know this is why i i was keen to say not necessarily the force for good because he essentially threatens the doctor with non-existence if he doesn't help him do well, they're just very powerful I, basically i know Greater i know good, it's always my point of criticism yeah. i think i just like the idea in modern who everything's an alien yeah i don't like this idea that there's like tears of being yeah, but I, I, my, I mean, my personal headcanon is that they are aliens, or at least they, they are, they are beings, they are entities that still exist within the laws of our universe, but just those folds of dimensions above the ones which we as humans in, in perceive. Who, it's the Time Lords. They seem to be the like all-powerful race. Yes, certainly, like in terms of intellect. Yeah. So just to have like these two blokes. 
Plus, if you're all powerful, get some better clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll discuss that more in context, I, right. I promise you. Um, so anyway, so White Guardian already established. Black Guardian introduced a couple of stories earlier in Mordrin Undead, which was also the introduction of Turlo, who is one of the main characters mm-hmm. in this story. We'll, we'll talk about him. Yes, yeah. yeah. So basically, he is an alien. He was on Earth, posing as a sort of public schoolboy. He is motivated by personal gain. Yeah. That is that is kind of his deal, and he gets an offer from the Black Guardian. Off this bloke you've never heard of, the Doctor. Do me a favour, and you will be richly rewarded for your troubles. And Turlo is absolutely fine with that. So he's basically like a double agent yeah. on board the TARDIS. Really interesting concept for a companion. Not something that has ever mm. been tried before. So how did he join ranks with the Doctor? Uh, basically, just got to, in order to get close to him in in the story Mordrin Undead. Uh, to, to try and attempt uh, his life, he basically had to pal. Uh, you know, has he tried to him. kill the doctor yet? Yes, there've been multiple attempts, for, uh, failed attempts for him to kill the doctor over the course of Mortar and Undead and Terminus. So, and so, at this point in where we join him in Enlightenment, he's had multiple attempts. He's failing, and he's also starting to question whether the right thing to so do is actually just to keep him the around, just out of like sympathy. The the way they all play out. The Doctor doesn't know definitively that Turlo is trying to kill him at this point. Uh-huh. However, he has strong suspicions. Right. And I think you can see it's it's one of those things where it's, none of it's like within the text itself. It's all the looks he's giving him and the sort of... the Because the, Peter Davis is quite a subtle actor compared to previous Doctors. Like, he's not big yeah, over the top. he's not over the top. And so it's these little, like, hmm, little frowns that he does he's, and things like that. Is Davison, by his mannerisms, the first modern Doctor? You could definitely e- make that argument. Ev- every other one we've seen could have been the first Doctor in the 1960s. Yeah. This is the first time I've thought, yeah, this is more in line with what I've watched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, uh, direct influence on Tennant, mm. as was addressed in the mini-episode Time Crash. Yeah, you he's know. married... married- his dog. Married into the family, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, and, and was one of the ones that that Tennant grew up, grew up watching, and mm. yeah, I think there is a very strong argument to be made that he was the youngest actor ever to be cast as okay. a Doctor. He was twenty nine when he was cast. I think the only other person we've got left to talk about is Tegan. Tegan, yeah. What, what's her bag? Um, she, Australian. She's Australian. She was about to start a job as an air hostess. She got picked up by the Fourth Doctor in one of his final stories. And has just been bumming around. She quite would... Uh, for a while, she just wanted to get back to Heathrow and moaned about that the whole time. Eventually, she got back to Heathrow and then she was sad and missed the Doctor. Mm. Uh, got picked up again. And... But despite that, still kind of... She moans a lot. Yeah. Tegan's quite a moany character. I mean, and to be honest, I don't want to do a disservice because I think there is more to her character. But And, and she often gets kind of... Within the fandom, that's kind of the shorthand version of Tegan. is like, oh, she just... Mm like bums around the universe complaining most of the time but she does a lot of that in enlightenment final point before we jump in is this the best version of the doctor who theme song we've heard yet yes definitely it's my favorite by miles i love the howl arrangement yeah and nothing in the modern series has ever come close yeah i would go with that yeah Ah, uh, honestly, I, I and you should hear that. I'll, I'll link you to the extended version. I'll pop it on the show notes as well. I, I, I honestly, I could wax lyrical for days about what? the Peter Howell uh, arrangement. Is Davison the best classic Doctor? 
he's up there for me as one he's, of my favourites. He's favorites. the best I've seen. Yeah. How so, many more have we got left to go? Uh, you've got uh, three more. Go on, so two. you've got Colin Baker, okay. sixth Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, seventh. Okay. And then that was the point at which the show got uh, put on hiatus. Yeah. Then we've got the uh, Paul McGann movie. Oh, yeah. So. Class. Yeah. Which with, 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 Only with... four more of these shitters <laughs> to watch. <laughs> um, so, that I think that gives us all the context we probably need, right? Yeah. Yeah? So should we just get stuck into... Okay. So, yeah. we start. The TARDIS is leaking. Yeah. Although it's been tapped. Let's talk about the opening shot here. Not, not accidental. Turlo sat at the chessboard. Yeah. White, White pieces, versus black. black pieces. Like, not subtle, but interesting. Oh, you know what? One other piece, is, uh, piece of trivia that I did want to mention. First time in the show's history uh, to be both written and directed by female oh, really? uh, uh, creators. So... Yeah, and sadly Barbara Clegg, who wrote this, never wrote for Doctor Who again. She had another story that was suggested but never got made. Is it because these episodes are a mental fever dream? (laughs) But you see, I mean, Doctor Who is not... not not They all just went, it's good fun, but it doesn't make any sense. Don't call us, we'll call you. (laughs) To be honest, it makes more sense than a lot of classic episodes. Um, Anyway. um, So, he's playing chess against Tegan. Yeah. And the Doctor begins to react oddly to words that they say that sort of echo in the TARDIS. Yes. So they say, oh, it's your move. And then there's a voice that like goes, move. Ooh, and he says, ooh, you know, yeah. oh, we're losing power. And he goes, power. Yeah. Okay. So he increases the energy output of the TARDIS. And I've put, he speaks to a vision of a man. I know now that's the White Guardian. That is the White Guardian, okay. yeah. Okay. And the White Guardian says, power at risk, extreme danger. Uh-huh. And gives him some time coordinates. And then a man dressed all in black, the Black yeah. Guardian, yeah. appears. And uh, I don't know. Like, he just sort of disappears after that. Yeah. And the Doctor goes, oh dear. Yeah. Okay, next part of my notes. I've made a bit of a character assessment of Turlo. Uh-huh. So I want you to complete this sentence. Okay. Turlo is a... Shifty bugger? I, uh, it's yeah. close to what I put. I put yeah. Turlo is a grim shit of a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fairly accurate. Brilliantly cast. Yes, yeah. He, he's got that, like, shifty shit. Yeah. Horrible. Almost like... it Was it Andy Serkis that played Grima Wormtongue? Possibly. I mean... Oh, no, he played Gollum, Gollum. as a human. Yeah. But, yeah, the guy that played Grima Wormtongue, I forget his name. Yeah. He... It's just got that look of a snivelling horrible... Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Mark Strickson. Good job on having a snivelling face. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what I think makes him really, like, snivelling and evil? Yeah. He's a ginger. <laughs> oh, great. We're going there, are we? His hair is so red... Yeah. ...that, like, makes me feel a bit sick to think about them. Okay? Apologies so... to our ginger listeners. <laughs> nah, um... fuck them. <laughs> Fucking mistake. We've hardly got any as it is. What what would you do if it turned out that like seventy five percent of our fairly select listenership was ginger and they all just unsubscribe instantly? I would still keep going. We don't need them. <laughs> Fuck them. Right. So the Doctor and Turlow go to see what's going on, and at this point, because I didn't really know what the plot was going to be. I just put, there's rats in space. Because <laughs> they're like, what's that noise? Oh, it's rats. Rats in space. Sure. Now, 
there's hands appear. So Tegan's left behind. Yes. On the TARDIS. TARDIS has got windows. Yeah, so she's been left behind because the Doctor wants to uh, wants her to wait in case the White Guardian tries to get back in touch because yeah. it was, you know, it was a it was a faulty line. Yeah. Um, and and I really like the line where uh, Tegan says, well, "What do I do if he does like, give me important information?" And the Doctor just says very very um, offhandedly. Thank him politely, <laughs> and, and that's what I love about Davis. It's that, that very understated yeah. nature. It it's a human version of the Doctor, isn't definitely. It? Yeah. So, as we said, Tegan's on the TARDIS, and at the window, just some big hands appear. Yeah. Now I can work out if they're to quote like Father Ted, are they big or are they just really close? It was yeah. hard to tell. Yeah. Um, later turns out just really close just really close yeah uh, and I'm just put who is that yeah we'll find out later. really creepy another creepy face very different yeah. kind of creepy but he has that sort of mannequin look yeah to his face I'm sure we'll talk about him later oh we definitely episode. will so the doctor whilst investigating works out he's actually on a ship yeah they're in like a cargo hold yeah and they go up and they start mingling with the sailors because he says yeah. oh I'm the doctor that slang for the chef on board. Yeah. So he's welcomed with open arms. Yeah. Um, and Tegan starts to have a little and rip about. They establish that it's like an Edwardian yes. uh, ship. Yeah. Were you cursing me at this point thinking, I've just given you a four-part historical? I don't know, because I was <laughs> just like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, because this entire episode takes place in a room that's supposed to be on a ship. Yeah. But they say they're not allowed above board. Yes. Um, so I was so it's like, already is it a bit weird. A ship? Yeah, like, I was a bit suspicious. Yeah, they're already kind of like making okay. it. And as the, you know, the men don't know how they got on board. Yes, yeah. They're in a race, but how can a ship win a race when all the crew are below deck? Yeah, there's a so lot of there's a lot of things not that don't up. make sense. Yeah. Okay. So Tegan is investigating the person at the window, and it's just like a really. Odd man. Yes. So yeah. we later find out he's called Mariner. Yes. Like, what's his deal? He's just a weirdo, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, we I we find out what his deal is later. Yeah. But, but okay. But yes, he is. He definitely has an off-putting vibe. Yeah. So and he sort of like he kind of herds Tegan out of the TARDIS, basically. Yeah. And just starts sort of like stalking her. So. Yeah, she's like accosted, isn't she? Yeah. And the Doctor's the Doctor, sorry is summoned to meet with the first mate, who we find out is this character, yeah. and the ship's captain. Yes. Okay. So, just as Tegan passes on a message from the White Guardian to the Doctor, mm-hmm. Captain Stryker appears. Yeah. And we find out that the first mate is this creepy man called Mariner. Yeah. And they move up to the wheelhouse. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is where the episode goes up a gear. Yeah. The last 30 seconds of episode <laughs> one. Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but when they said, let's go up to the wheelhouse, and the wheelhouse is at the top of a set of stairs, Yeah. just one of the actors just slips and falls back <laughs> down the stairs. Yeah. I, I don't know if you picked up on that. Uh, I think I did notice it, yeah. Um, it's... As was typical of Doctor Who of this era, um, they... They didn't have time to reshoot yeah. little things like that. It, it was just one of those little trips where your yeah. foot doesn't quite catch the Yeah, scene. but honestly, in, in, in a modern production, 
they would they would say stop retake it they yeah, reset everything and you know it would take an hour to get everyone ready again and off you'd go but back then no yeah. just you just keep going well, as some of the crew go above deck we hear a screaming yeah and they're all getting a little tot of rum before they yeah, go up the stairs except the screaming is one of the crewmen who's gone mad yes when yeah. you go above Deck, you go yeah, worth mentioning there was the one, the one, the most chatty of the crewmen was talking about the fact that he'd like signed a pledge. He was, he was, you know, off the ground, and uh, had refused to do it and was made to go up anyway. And uh, yeah, anyway, okay. um, so yeah, and we, we've seen the chart as well, haven't we? At this point, the like the, sh- the ship's chart that they not use, just yet. not just yet, right? Not just yet. So the windows in the wheelhouse open. Yeah, so it's dark outside. Yeah, and. Everyone goes, oh, that's a bit peculiar. We're just uh, yeah. sailing in the dark. But then one guy just goes, oh, I'm just going to plot some coordinates. Opens a box. Yeah. There's an electronic keypad. Yeah. I think at this point we see the chart. Yes. That is a map of the route that the ship's going on the race mm-hmm. around all the planets in Earth's solar system. Yeah. Because we're on a space ship. ship. Yeah. So the ship is just floating yeah. while sailing throughout the space. Yes. And... Oh my god, I love the models. I love the model work in this episode. It, imagine this it's episode. It's a bit ropey later on. We're going to yeah. talk about this. Oh yeah, there, there are some moments. But imagine this done with CGI. It would be soulless. Yeah. But the, the, the fact that you've basically got... They look like the sort of ships you get in, like, you know, ship in a bottle kind of yeah. things. The, the, the amount of detail on them. and the fact, and, But the fact that they look so clearly like models... Almost gives them a, a, a realism, a, yeah, and a weird sort of unearthly quality that is totally fitting. I think, in some ways, it. So, shall I tell you what? The, I don't know how many of his films you've seen. In some ways, the vibe I get from this story is very akin to, to how like Terry and Gilliam's films often make me feel. Mm. They have this kind of detached feeling, where like. Yeah, these are real people, but they're not quite behaving like real people should, and like mm-hmm. everything feels slightly off. So yeah, and 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 it comes really, it crystallizes in that moment where you see those models. Like that was the moment when the when I first watched his story. That was the moment which I just went, I think I love this. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think I love this one. I think it's yeah. the, the moment where I maybe. Didn't go quite go that far. But yeah, I sort of sat up and started taking a bit of notice. Yeah, because I think it's 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 also a really good cliffhanger because it's not a typical Doctor Who cliffhanger. Typical Doctor Who cliffhanger is oh no, the Doctor's going to die, or yeah. oh no, the companion's going to die, and we know if it's part one or part two, nobody's dying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, no chance. I don't know. Like we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so that's the end of episode one. Episode yeah. two starts with Tegan walking off. Yeah, and the revelation that they're racing through the solar system, and the creepy first mate gives yeah. Tegan a drink in her quarters. Oh yes, I wanted to talk about this. Tegan asks what it is, and his reply is, "It's a mixture." Yeah. Would you drink something? Someone just if you asked someone, "What is this drink you're giving me?" and they and they just said, "It's a mixture." Now, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Okay, so. Yeah. Mariner takes a little sip to prove it's not harmful. Yeah. And then Tegan, Tegan does drink it. it. Yeah. It doesn't have any adverse effects, does no. it? No. It is just quite literally a yeah. drink. Because later it's, it's, on, it's she's what... in bed asleep. Yeah. 
And I think Turlo goes to wake her up. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be like, oh no, she's unconscious. Oh, but she's... she just wakes up. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah, um, it's a... Yeah, because she, she was complaining that she was like feeling really seasick or space sick, I guess. Um, and yeah, um, Mariner is true to his word. And I think that's the point at which you realise this is more complicated than... A, they're not just like evil aliens of the week. Hmm. It's a little more complicated than that. So the captain then talks about one of the other ships. Yeah. That is a Greek ship. Yes. Okay. So each of the captains has picked a type of ship from time. Yes. Regarded as the best ship of its era. Yes. To race them. Yeah. And has picked crew, like literally plucked them out of time. uh, Did you ever used to watch the old TV show Time Commanders? Where. It was just like two groups of mates uh-huh. put in charge of a different army through time uh-huh. and had a battle. And I it think was I'm like, vaguely it was aware of it. simulated using the Total War game. I think it was <laughs> Rome Total War. It was brilliant. So you'd have like the Celts fighting the Spartans and different things like that. I can't remember. It sounds like the kind of show that Alan Partridge should be hosting. It was hosted <laughs> by Dara O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not his best work. He no. did host Robot Wars. Yeah, absolutely. I was about to say, but yeah. you got there. So, as we've said, Turlo goes to wake Tegan up, and Tegan's slightly worried that the room she's woken up in in her quarters represents her room on the TARDIS as well as her room at home. Yeah, that's. So, I mean, you wouldn't have picked up on this because you haven't seen her room in the TARDIS, but there's like parts of the set. They've literally just taken bits from yeah. the set set from her room on the TARDIS. Like it's got her air hostess uniform, like hung over a wicker it's got chair. A picture that's of her auntie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's like, uh, that would be an unsettling thing, wouldn't it? Like waking up in a room that is like an amalgamation of other rooms from your past yeah. and present. It's like, yeah, that know. would freak me out. I quite like to go back to my childhood bedroom. Yeah, well, would you like it if it also just weirdly had elements from like I don't know your your like room from university or yeah? I don't know. My, my first year room at university was quite nice, and then when I went into like my own house, yeah. that's when it deteriorated. I, f- I feel like you're missing the point. I'm not saying like did you have nice rooms in your past? I was saying like how freaky would it be to wake up in a room that's like an amalgamation of bits and bobs from your own past? I mean, we're in. My spare bedroom now. Yeah. It's got my massive box of comics, all my old Warhammer, my PlayStation 1. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess we know, are kind you see of where already I'm going there. Right there. Yeah. You know, board games from my childhood, my old Pokemon game. Yeah. Yeah. An old chair that I refused to throw out. <laughs> this is I mean, creeping me out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay, so... so the Doctor deduces that the Captain's reading his mind. Yes. He also deduces that it's not an immediate process. It takes a bit of focus, a bit of time. Yeah. And Turlo is then accosted by the sober crewman we've talked about before. I can't yeah. remember his name. Yeah. And he says the problem is the rum. That's yeah. what's not brainwashing, but you know, making the crewman more susceptible, yeah. but also more able to sort of cope with being in space. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. He gives him a key, a key to the rum locker. Yes. Because he wants him he to wants get to rid of it. He wants to throw all the rum away. Yeah. And 
I don't know if this is supposed to be like an exciting climactic bit, uh-huh. but in order to take first place in the race, they need to get round Venus yes. in first position. Yeah. And there's a bit where, it's about two minutes, where everyone's yeah. going, no, don't fly that close to Venus, we'll crash. Yeah. And then it just goes, oh, we didn't crash. Move on. <laughs> well, now, the, the, reason, the reason that happens is because shortly after, the Greek ship yeah. uh, is knocked out of the race in quite spectacular fashion. And the, 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 the supposition is that they took a similar risk and didn't make it. Mm. But we later but, find out that maybe isn't what happened. Yeah, it's not very... It's not brilliantly executed, I would say. Okay. But, so, this is where we get a bit more exposition. So, the captains yes. are what are called an eternal. Yeah. So, they exist sort of outside of time, yes. almost. Yeah. They, 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 they... So, we seem to have humans that exist... In time yes. and space. Ephemerals, as they like to call them. Then we have the Time Lords that live in space, but can manipulate time. Can, yes, can move through time, but are are essentially linear beings like us. Yeah. And then it says that these exist in eternity. Yes. And it so. almost differentiates eternity from standard time. Yeah. So basically, it's, it's as though they... They can only perceive time when they are kind of like tapping into the world of the ephemerals and like yeah. reading their minds, sharing their thoughts, yeah. toying with them as they are doing. Because this is a game to them, this race, yeah. essentially. They, they say it's, that it, it just helps them pass. Yeah, because like return. eternity is pretty boring by mm. the sounds of it. Um, and the doctor, I think, is this where the doctor does his little speech and basically yeah, calls him a parasite? parasite. And, oh, that's a lovely bit of doctoriness, isn't it? Just that yeah. sort of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like righteous anger. What What would has. upset you more if I referred to you as a parasite, as the doctor does to the captain, uh-huh. or if I just flat out told you you disgust me, which <laughs> Tegan does to the first mate? <laughs> probably, probably the latter. Yeah. She's a bit unpleasant at times, Tegan. Yeah, she's quite harsh. But to be fair, also, Mr. Mariner is a right creep. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mean, think we've acknowledged it enough. At yeah. first, he reminded me of... Do you remember the old comedian? I think he was called Max Headroom. Yeah. That was like a person pretending to be like a computer. Yeah, and they had sort of like a weird plasticky yeah. mask. Yes, yeah. But all the way through, like Mariner's just like going... I like you, Tegan. You fascinate me. Why don't we go to your bedroom, Tegan? <laughs> yeah, yeah but, the, but the thing that I find really interesting about this storyline, and also the performances, is that on the one hand, it's like a creepy stalker story, but it's a creepy stalker story in which the stalker has no concept of sex or romance or love or anything like that. It's like he's putting together the pieces of it through... By tapping into Tegan's mind. But it's like, he's encountering things that he has previously had no conception of. And you can, it's, so in a sense, he's like, you know, when a kid like catches a bug under a jar. Mm. 
Mm. And just like watching it with absolutely... It's this thing from this other world. Let, let me give you a hypothetical. Yeah. Okay? And I've been just been mulling this over in my mind. So it's going to be a pretty specific hypothetical. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay? So we, we both have long-term partners. We do, Okay? Yes. I want you to imagine that your long-term partner comes home and says, oh, David, on Friday I'm going bowling with some of the people from work. I'd really like you to come. Uh-huh. And you go along, and the two people are Mariner <laughs> and Turlow. Right? Now, Turlow, he just flat out is going to plan to kill you. Yeah. Okay? And you have your suspicions. Yeah. That I, this, I have very strong suspicions. Yeah, that yeah. this person is aiming to kill me. Okay. On the other hand, you have Mariner, who is following your partner around, just going, you fascinate me. <laughs> okay? Which one of them do you buy a beer? <laughs> I have to buy one of them a beer. You have to buy one of them a beer. Okay? The scenario is, you're at the front of the queue, one of them's gone to the toilet, the other one just taps you on the shoulder and goes, oh, can you get me a beer? Okay. Which one would you buy the beer? I'd buy Mariner a beer and i tip it over his head. Really? Well, that story ends with you being murdered by Turlough. Yeah, probably. But at least I have the moral high ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Turlough starts talking to the Dark Guardian, says he can't kill the Doctor. So the Black Guardian says, well, I'm going to condemn you to everlasting life aboard this ship. Seems a bit excessive. <laughs> yeah. But he's, I mean, he's not a nice man. The, the guy. We haven't really talked about, like, Valentine Dial's performance as the Black Guardian, who's, he is, like, all the way up to 11. Yeah. And he's got this amazing, like, sneery laugh that he does, like, <laughs> yeah. he's, like, so cartoon villain. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's amazing. Yeah. And he's got a crow on his head. If, if I <laughs> gave my nephew, who's four years old, some yeah. crayons and just went, will you draw me a bad guy? I think that's what he'd come up with. Yeah, pretty much. So, the captain again reads the Doctor's mind and discovers the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, So the Doctor and Tegan then find Turlow to go back to the TARDIS, which is missing. Mm. Okay. Now, the first mate, Mariner, wants to take Tegan above deck. And when the Doctor speaks to the captain and says, what is the prize in the race? This is where we get the illusion of enlightenment. Yes. Okay. So, you... Gain the knowledge of all things, yeah. and that's going to help the captain gain what he wants most. Yeah, I don't think we ever find out what that is. I expect for him it would be maybe a way to permanently transcend being eternal. It seems like being an, et- an eternal is more of a curse mm. than a gift. And yeah. I certainly thought that's where it was going with Mariner. Yeah, I thought he was going to ask for like humanity. Yeah, but we we never find out. No. So, the Black Guardian torments Turlough enough about being forced to live forever on the ship. So, episode two ends with Turlough just jumping off. <laughs> and I, I thought that yeah. legitimately could have been the end of him. I yeah. thought it was going to be, you know, maybe he was a good guy after all. Yeah. And to end his suffering. He just makes the sacrifice. But as yeah. we've already said, you know, cliffhangers mean nothing. Yeah, they okay? <laughs> really do. So, I have put... This is the worst attempt at a rescue ever. So in space, they're going to throw like a buoyancy aid at him. Yeah. The buoyancy aid isn't tied to the ship, so they spend ages. <laughs> Meanwhile, Turlo's floating off into the black void of space. Yeah. And I was just like, I think I'd rather have death than be saved by these numbskulls. <laughs> 
But he's saved by a rival ship, this time a pirate buccaneer. The buccaneer. And this is where I wanted to talk about the models. Yes. Because I don't understand how this was filmed. Right? So Uh he's clearly green screened onto the model. Yeah. But, like, they throw a net to catch him. Yeah. But rather than catch him, it, like, scoops him. Yeah, like I don't know how they did that bit, but it's it did not look good. It's inelegant, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so this is where we meet Kyra, uh, Kyra Captain, Pirate Captain, yeah, Captain Rack. That's the one. Okay, um, and played by I want to get her name because I think she's amazing, Linda Barron. Okay, again, total panto villain. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what you want, I think. For if you're if you're playing a pirate captain who is also like an eternal extra dimensional being and just go for it. I think we talked about it when we did Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. But she has a black manservant yeah. as her first mate, who's really androgynous. Mm-hmm. And I I haven't I don't think I acknowledge him in my notes because he yeah. just sort of comes and goes. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good as well. He is pretty good. And I was actually... Uh, I, uh, the first time I watched this, I watched some of the special features as well. And he talks very openly about the fact that it was his first big TV gig and Linda Barron actually really fought for him to get more lines oh, and really? like we, we really kind of had his back to like you know, saying, yeah, make, make this one count. So, yeah, g- good eggs, the pair of them. Yeah. So we didn't really talk about this earlier, but when the Greek ship blew up, the Doctor looks at a picture of the Greek captain and yeah. says, oh, he's dressed in all time-appropriate gear. Yeah. Except I think he has a clasp on his cape, is yes, it? Yes, that looks out of period. Yeah. yeah, and it has a huge red gem yeah. in the middle of it. So when we meet Rack, she's just sort of fondling loads of <laughs> giant red gems. So yeah. we assume that's where it came from. Yeah, I've put. Is that what blew up the ge- the Greeks? Yeah, we'll find out. And she invites the captain. I forget his name. Captain Stryker, isn't it? Yes, to dine with her. Yeah. However, the Doctor and Tegan go in his place. Yes. So they accept the invitation. Yeah. Now, oh, the- she's she's. Uh, I think we talked about uh, relating to the gem. She's also gifting a sword. To one of the other captains, not That's striker, right. but a different one. And again, it has one of those red gems set into the hilt. Right. I'm going to read my next notes yeah. verbatim. Okay. Something about asteroids. Turlo is betrayed or something. Another ship's destroyed. Yeah. Doctor and Tegan board the pirate ship. This is very confusing, though nothing is happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to break it down. So, um, long story short. Am I right in thinking they again use asteroids this time as an excuse for blowing up the other ship? Yes. And they say, oh, the asteroids did it. Yes, yeah. So it's the ship where, where the the captain received the sword. Yeah. Um, that one's gone. I forget what kind of period that ship was, but... Um... Then I put Turlo is betrayed or something. He gets, like, put in a room. Okay, so when they first take Turlo on board... Um, they like tie him up and they're, they're inqui- like being like, okay, what's your motivation here? And he has to persuade, um, Captain Rack that he, he you know, he does actually want to betray, mm. uh, the doctor and the other ships. And, and she talks about like the, how his mind is kind of hard to read. And again, you know, that's very consistent with Turlo in that he's got this constant internal conflict between, uh, does he go through with his uh, agreement with the Black Guardian, or 
does he actually stick with the doctor and and so like and he says to her that his motivation is power he wants the power that she mm-hmm. wants you know he wants a part of the prize and he wants to win and she's clearly the one who's going to win and that's enough to persuade her to actually cut him down and uh, mm-hmm. kind of take him on and it's interesting because like I don't think Turlow is lying in that moment and I think that's why it convinces her because we never because quite it... know where his loyalty lies no yeah so from there although he's trapped Turlow just breaks free yeah. He finds a giant eye in the ceiling. Oh right, okay, yeah. So yeah, we this is later. We've we yeah, we we we're in the room where um yeah. Where we, we find out this is the room where uh, she kind of fires out whatever kind of energy beam she's using to destroy mm-hmm. the ships. Yeah, it's this room with like a hole in the floor, like a grid. But again, can, like into space. Why did the like, green screen that? Yeah, because it because he's it looks like really, crawling over it. Yeah, his hand. Never what? grasps where the yeah. bars are. I, I mean, my internal theory is that, like, that that it's you know you know how there is a uh, what do they call it? It's in massive letters above the door at a later point. Is it yeah. the void shield or something? Yeah. Um, that that basically means that you can't even walk across it and mm-hmm. stuff. But anyway, so like we say, there's it's a got giant... a big eye. Yeah. yeah, and we later know is. It's the same colour as all the gems. Yeah. That's her weapon. Yeah. So the Doctor uses one of the Eternals that can read minds to help find Turlo. Yeah. Although, at the, that time, Turlo's talking to the Black Guardian. Mm-hmm. And the room that Turlo's kept in begins losing atmosphere. Yeah. The uh, the Rack's first mate actually takes, you know, sets the, the, the void thing to off. So, yeah. yeah. So, got the va- he calls the upon the Black Guardian yeah. to save him. Yeah. The pirate Captain Rack freezes Tegan in time yeah. and sets one of these red stones into a tiara yeah. that she gives to Tegan. Is it a wig Tegan's wearing? She's yes. got short hair yeah. all episode. It's magically yeah, she just, long at she some just, point. Yeah, she just puts a wig on. Okay. So she can look so, the part in a fancy gown. Even though Turlow's dying, Doctor just turns up, resets the vacuum, anti-climax. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But also, if you were designing that room... You'd put those controls on the inside of the room, wouldn't you? You would think. Not behind a lockable door. A lot of nasty accidents would happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the Doctor works out that in the room, there's a big amplifier. The gems are what's focusing the power yeah. to destroy the ships. Yeah. And the Doctor says he wants to halt the race altogether. Nobody should win. Nobody should be granted the power of enlightenment. Yeah. Because all the Eternals are just awful people. Yeah. And that's that's, where... that's the Doctor intergalactic spoil sport. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where episode three ends. Yeah. Okay. Does it does it not end with specifically with them being caught and I think like there's a sword to the Doctor's throat. Yeah. Yeah, but, but who cares? It's yeah, because he's like immediately anyway. out of that situation. Okay. But, yeah. So I put Tegan's woken up again and Mariner is kind of in love with her, but it's like a fascination. Yeah. He d- he does. She realises that what he's describing sounds a bit like love, but he doesn't know what that even is. So, the Doctor's yeah. caught by Rack, and she asks Turlow what to do with him. And Turlow says, well, let's just send them back to the other ship. Yeah. Which is like a sneaky bit of a plan, because yeah. we know that's where the TARDIS is and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Turlow says, I'm going to stay, I need to prove myself. Mm-hmm. But to who, Dave? Yeah. Who? Indeed. Okay. So, 
Captain Rack says she wants enlightenment so she knows how to cause more destruction. Yeah. She's just like... I know you don't like it when I use this phrase. She's pretty one-dimensional. She just wants to destroy Oh, no, her. she is. Like I say, total panto villain. Like, yeah. she's just... Yeah, there's no subtlety. She's just bad for the bad's sake, isn't Yeah. It? So, Tegan's tiara is now back on Stryker's ship. Mm-hmm. And Turlo's mind exposes his greed for enlightenment. So, yeah. the Eternals on the pirate ship read his mind and they notice not only is he incredibly greedy... But what he's now greedy for is this enlightenment mm-hmm. they're all working for. Yeah. And just turns out Rax mates with the Black Guardian as well. Yeah, why not? So she's like utilising powers of darkness. Turlo says, I serve the same person. He talks to me. Mm-hmm. And off the back of that, Rack positions her ship to attack. Yeah. So we're moving towards the end. Yeah, we know, we know that the Tiara is now back on board. And yeah, yeah you know... So, Rack, to use her weapon, she stands in the chamber. Does a bit of experimental theatre. Yeah. Basically. She, she pretty much <laughs> summons the Black Guardian, but not in the same way Turlo does. He doesn't no. appear to her. Yeah, Turlo's got a little crystal. within her. But yeah, so basically she stands in this weird column and like... All everything around her disappears except for her face. So it's just like her face on a black background. Mm-hmm. And then she... And yet he starts speaking through her like he's almost possessing her. Like we hear the Black Guardian's voice mm-hmm. through um, through her mouth. Yeah. And he just starts chanting, focus. So back on board Striker's ship, Doctor is searching high and low for this red gem. Yeah. He finds it in the tiara and smashes it, breaking yeah. the focus. Except yeah. the only problem is if you smash a diamond, <laughs> what you actually have is two diamonds. Yes. Or so, in this case... Lots like of tiny little bits. So, yeah. what he's actually done is multiplied the power. Yeah. Cla- so, good example of how the Doctor doesn't always have a plan. No. He just does the thing that comes into his head first. I don't even know what he smashes it with. It's like a book on it's, he, he grabs, it's like a, uh, like a fire axe on the, mounted it. on the wall and he uses the hilt of that to yeah. uh, smash it. But yeah, a very short-term thinking from the Doctor there, and very quickly realises that he's made a bit of an error. So, if all else fails, just chuck it into space. Yeah, just gathers it up in a little hanky. Yeah, just throws <laughs> just it. Just it out of space. Okay, yeah. so, yeah. Rack reappears as herself, yeah. and notices that the ship survived. Yeah. Okay, so, the so- solar winds start to drop, Rack's ship pulls away. She's clearly going to win the race. Yes, because she has uh, she has moonrakers, like tiny little sails yeah. at the top. So, yeah. it turns out all along the TARDIS was hidden in the Doctor's mind. So Mariner brings it back. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor then talks to Rack, who plans to throw him overboard. Yes. Now we see the rest of this play out from Stryker's ship. Uh, we see two, two bodies instinct. cast into space. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. The... I mean, we can assume that it's not the Doctor and, yeah, and Turlo, exactly. can't we? <laughs> so, but anyway, yes. Rack's ship can't be won. She's won the race. And when the Black Guardian and the White Guardian turn up with a crystal of enlightenment, it's at this point, I've just put, why have they got, why have they got birds in their hair? Yeah, you, uh, you finally notice you're getting enough close-ups to be like... So the Black Guardian yeah. summons the winning captain, and it turns out, as predicted, the Doctor and Turlo threw Captain Rack and her first mate overboard. Yeah. So, 
the Doctor, by proxy, is now the winning captain. Yes. So he refuses enlightenment, and the White Guardian's going to give Turlow a bit of it. Yeah. But only if the Black Guardian gets the Doctor in exchange. Yes, because the the Black Guardian says, look, we have a standing arrangement. That's you know that contract is not void. Um, now, probably the best bit of this whole saga yeah. is where Turlo swipes the crystal off the table. Yeah. It hits the Black Guardian, and he just sets on fire. Yeah, everyone else is just having their concluding like conversation, whilst he's just there on <laughs> yeah. fire, yeah, just screaming in agony. Yeah, um, I really like. It's a big performance, but I like Mark Strickson's performance here. That you know, this is. To, to, for context as well, this isn't just the conclusion of this these four episodes. It's the conclusions of every episode, his entire arc from the moment he's introduced. He's had been struggling with his internal conflict and he is now at this moment where he has to decide, you know, he finally has to pick a side. And I think he plays it really well. Um, okay, so the Doctor finally trusts Turlo. Yeah. Now the White Guardian says the Black Guardian will be back. Yeah. I think he says you've defeated him twice. Yeah. He'll be It'll back be a, third a third time. Yeah. Does that happen? Well, in terms of my classic Who watching, I have only seen to the end of the Fifth Doctor's era, okay. and only fairly recently. I just finished watching Planet of Fire the other day, and and I'd previously seen Caves of Androzani, so I've technically now watched. All fifth Doctor stories. Caves of Androzani as good as everyone says it is. Um, well, I need to rewatch it. It's actually next I'm going to do before I get into the sixth Doctor because I watched it quite early on because everyone bangs on about it, and I think it's one of those ones that's maybe better in context. Right. Um, I think it, I thought it was good, but I was like, is this really the very best Doctor Who story mm. ever? Um, so I will wait to see about that. But but yeah, so I. If the Black Guardian does reappear in other classic Who stories, it's not ones that I've seen. Like, I have seen bits and bobs of 6 and 7, but not any with the Black Guardian. Right. If not, I'm sure Big Finish has already done it. Yeah. (laughs) In some obscure book. Yeah. Only released in Czechoslovakia. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I I don't know. I might even say this is possibly my favourite that I've seen so far. It's a very good one, I think. And, yeah. and I really struggled with picking, because I wasn't sure whether to do this one, because it's a very good one, but I wasn't sure how well it would stand alone without the build-up of the other Turlow stories. I, I think my favourite that we've watched, classic, is still The Rescue, just because it's so silly. I love yeah. it. Whereas this is so mental. Yeah, it's so ambitious. Like, it's batshit mental. Yeah. But, but that, I don't know, at the same time, it still somehow manages to be good. Yeah, well, I mean, Doctor, this is, as I say, this is the beauty of Doctor Who, that it can do stuff like this, where it can be this outlandish and, and, and weird and, and like, highfalutin, and then at the same time it can do just really, really daft stuff where it's just mm. people being chased around by guys in rubber suits, and it's all Doctor Who, mm. and it all, on, on a good day, it will all have a charm to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that you didn't entirely hate it. No, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, um, would you say Fifth Doctor, where's he ranking for you in terms of the classic Doctors then? Probably up there, probably yeah. up there. Yeah. Didn't like First Doctor, Second Doctor okay, Yeah. Third was rubbish, Forward, no. 
what was the second Doctor that we watched? We watched two of the Cybermen. Yeah, that one was rubbish. But, but the Doctor's good. Yeah, I liked him and Jamie. Mm. What was the third Doctor we watched? We watched the Demons. Yeah, shit. I think that was my biggest mistake of any of the ones that I've picked so far. With hindsight, that's the one I'm kicking myself. I can't even uh, remember what did most. we watch last time. We watched Robots of Death. Oh yeah, which that was like a that murder was pretty mystery. Good, but I didn't like the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go as far as to say fifth, probably my favourite. Fantastic. Well, um, in time we will uh, see how you get on with the sixth Doctor, who is a bit of a controversial one. In, in, a lot in of what ways. sense? Uh, in in the sense that a lot of people think he's really shit, but in uh, but I think. It's more a case that he was poorly served by the scripts most say, of the time. Say again, who is the, the next Doctor? Colin Baker. He's yeah. the one where, if you've ever seen pictures, he's the one with the really outlandishly garish coat. I'm just going to Google him. Colin Baker. Doctor Who. It's a heck of a costume. Fuck me, he looks like <laughs> Mr. Tumble. <laughs> Fuck me! Yeah. Are we going to watch this? Yeah, that's what you got What's to avoid. What's this picture? He's got like man in the iron mask hanging off his arm. <laughs> Bloody hell! No wonder this shit got cancelled. <laughs> that's like before we started this podcast. That was my worst fear. <laughs> it was all be like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm going to have my work that. work cut out picking a story I, for him. I, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah. Right. If he's considered, like, not the greatest Doctor... Yeah. Aren't you to find the worst of his adventures? Oh, well, I can tell you the one that... I've not seen it, but the one that everyone really hates the most. And that's his very first story, The Twin Dilemma. I think we should watch that. So maybe we will. If that's considered his worst... Let, let's go for let's it. it. Let's try and watch the worst ever Doctor Who. <sighs> okay, and we'll make uh, in in time. Maybe we'll make it up and watch a decent one with him at a later date. But yeah, but yeah, I, I'm 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 happy to go with that because I've been struggling to build up to watching the Twin Dilemma myself. So maybe that will give me the nudge I need. Yeah, let's just go for it. Um, <clears throat> All right then, so uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone, as ever. Next week, we will be tackling the first story of Series 6. It is a two-parter. Oh, great. The Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon. Has that got anything to do with the Impossible Planet? No. (laughs) Unimaginative title. Well, let's hope the episode makes up for it. Until then, thanks very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.